Hello, and welcome back to The Dreaded Question. I'm Lily Torre, and this week's guest is the truly amazing Sarah Ellis. I have a theory that Sarah is either superhuman or has more hours in her day than the rest of us because the amount that she's able to accomplish is nothing short of astounding. In today's episode, we're unpacking what led her to co-create her company, MT Shorts, the benefits of reaching out, and some of the challenges of being a female entrepreneur. Sarah squeezed in this interview at a super busy time in her life, and I'm so grateful that she did, because today's episode is full of some major nuggets of gold. But before we dive into today's episode, I'm so happy to share that this season of The Dreaded Question is brought to you with support from The Huggable Cactus. You may remember The Huggable Cactus from the very first episode of TDQ, when I interviewed its creator, Jeremy Greenbaum. The Huggable Cactus has the world's cutest totes, pouches, stationery, and prints with the world's kindest mission to create touchstones of joy that incite a smile with each use through the good times and the prickly ones too. I received a Huggable Cactus tote as a gift and it is truly my favorite bag of all time. I love it so much and I wear it pretty much every day. If you wanna learn more about the Huggable Cactus, I'll link their website and Instagram in the show notes, and I'll also include a link to Jeremy's episode of TDQ so you can learn more about him and what inspired him to start his amazing company. Here's Sarah Ellis's answer to the dreaded question. So, Sarah Ellis, (laughs) what are you up to? Well, right now, I actually just flew in yesterday morning for (laughs) a couple meetings with uh, my production company, MT Shorts. Yes. Um, We just LLC'd, gosh, a couple months ago. Wow, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. It's been, wow, I got a BFA in musical theater, so (laughs) it's been a very large learning curve. Didn't know I was going to LLC at some point. (laughs) Exactly, (laughs) exactly. Well, I thought that maybe I would LLC like as Sarah Ellis first, you know. Yeah. But then, um, no, it's uh, Empty Shorts, which is amazing. Yes. But I'm actually... I just this past weekend opened a production of Camelot in Michigan. So I'm playing Guinevere and, you know, with it's one lady and a bunch of dudes, which is super fun. (laughs) And then I flew in. I had a gig last night for a really awesome organization called Proof, which um, is an activist organization that uses visual storytelling to uh, get people to vote. Wow. Yeah. And they work with a bunch of different non-for-profits. And um, it was a really, really neat event. That sounds Um, amazing. I'll definitely link them in the show notes. Oh, yes, please do. Leora Khan is her name and she's the head. And they, oh gosh, it was a really cool event. And we sang songs of empowerment and moral courage and had some (laughs) nauseas and it was great. That sounds amazing. Um, It was cool. So then that and then the next, the rest of the day right now, truly like Today, I'm going to visit a location for where we're going to shoot our next short film, musical short film, still here. Yes. So, yeah, just taking meetings and... Busy lady. Yes. And then, yeah, then we're, then I have shows this weekend, so I'm driving back to Michigan with my friend Carl. (laughs) I'm going to road trip tomorrow. (laughs) Well, thank you for taking some of your very precious time here to do this. I am so grateful. Oh my gosh, I'm more than happy to. You're so wonderful. I love this podcast and I love the community that you're creating. Thank you so much. Well, tell us more about MT Shorts. All right. So, MT Shorts is original musical theater short films. Basically, the idea came out of um, my co-producer Greg Camp and I 
wanting to provide something for our friends who were writing really awesome new musicals that no one was seeing. Right. You know, there are so many composers in the city who do the BMI workshop right. or do, you know, all of these new musical, yeah. you know, composer initiatives and they don't really come out with anything more than a 54 Below show maybe or a yeah. Green 42 show where the only visual representation especially if you aren't able to necessarily make the concert right. or pay the ticket fee or True. the minimum food and drink fee or whatever, you know. It adds up. It does. It adds up. Especially when you're trying to get your, and you know, and like dragging your friends to come and, and so, so much self-promotion and, and it's, and a lot of us as creatives feel odd self-promoting too yeah. because it's such a, it's so much of our soul that we're sharing. Right. So. We were like, all right, well, all they're getting right now is like a, someone video recording someone standing behind a music stand right. and the waitstaff walking through. Like, yes, <laughs> that, that's is, so true. that is the only visual representation they have of something that they have slaved away over for maybe years. Right. So Greg and I were like, all right, well, the popularity of musical theater is kind of uh, resurging a little bit um, with like Glee and Pose and Crazy Ex-Girlfriend and yeah. all these kind of things. And so we were like, and short form content is obviously becoming more and more popular in our world. So we were like, all right, let's fuse those two together. So we work with emerging composers to foster original musical short films that can be used as a virtual calling card for their work. That's amazing. <laughs> I love that so much because something I think about a lot as someone who does love new work and readings and the whole new works process, how many musicals get stuck in that reading phase mm -hmm. where they'll just have readings over and over and not necessarily ever get produced. And if they do, it's at this very small handful of theaters that actually produce new work on stage mm -hmm. as, you know, a fully realized production. Mm -hmm. And so it's so cool that the way that you're solving that problem isn't through, you know, necessarily opening a theater and putting on these new productions where a handful of people will see them. Instead, you're putting them on film and showing them to the world. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. Thank you. And a really cool opportunity to interpret these works in an interesting way mm -hmm. you know musical theater writers are used to writing musical theater which mm -hmm. will go on a stage and that's the way that that story is interpreted mm -hmm. so it kind of flexes everyone's muscles a little bit I feel like yeah certainly and it's really fun for us as fosterers or like we call it we're making babies with these yes. <laughs> with these new composers to watch them solve problems with you know we don't have to necessarily sing about someone getting married or someone even being married all we have to do is just put a ring on a table and do a shot of that yeah you know what i mean it's wow. so easy to, the visual storytelling elements are endless with film True. so we're able to kind of get past the exposition almost um that's yes. required in, in the creation of the musical right. um and are able to just tell it th through the visual representation or gosh you know all sorts of animation like anything either yeah. the possibilities are truly endless so it's been really fun for us to watch these composers get a new uh, almost skill set in their wheelhouse right. because I think as creatives we are so versatile mm -hmm. but we just need the opportunity to showcase our versatility absolutely and you know I love Pascal and Paul but like why are they the only ones writing I agree right now for films so right. there is a whole slew of writers out there that's that are looking for an opportunity to share their work and if Greg and I can be 
the shepherds of that, we are ready to be there, you know, for, for that cause. So yeah, it is, it's been really fun because we're also assembling the team. So right. I was going to ask, like, how do you find, how do you select your composers? How do you find the teams? Mm-hmm. So our first uh, musical theater short was Hey Beautiful, which was written by Nat Segree and Eric Holmes. And Nat and I actually did a production of Million Dollar Quartet together. That's how we met. And he when I kind of pitched him this idea, we met for coffee and he kind of just lay out, he's like, I, cause all these composers have all these songs, just so many of them. Yes. And so he just kind of pitched us a bunch of ideas. And um, then he was like, actually, we have this song that we have actually already recorded. Mm-hmm. We've been trying to kind of make something of it, right. but we're not sure what it's going to be. And so we listened to it and we were like, that's it. That's yeah. it. It's it, it's it was a very it's more of the our first intro short is very much a proof of concept. It yeah. was like it, it's a just a one song. It has a beginning, middle, and end. Mm-hmm. We added a scene before at one point that was a scene in a restaurant that was going to be like the date comes in and the girls are all talking and he's like, well, you're talking about issues with, you know, catcalling and when is it okay to say someone is beautiful or right. when is it okay to like, when are you allowed to give like unsolicited compliments? Right. And then we were like kind of scrapped that idea because we were like, the song itself kind of stands on its own. Yeah. And just the logistics of cameras at a, at a dinner scene is always yeah. like, uh, <laughs> it's, it's hours and hours of shooting. Yeah. So yeah, so then we... Kenneth Ferone signed on. He'd already kind of been in contact with Eric and Nat about making this happen. And then Kenneth kind of took it to this next level and he came to the first meeting with like a full pitch deck and was like, these are the, these are the storytelling elements I want to use and blah, blah, blah. And Greg and I were like, yeah, Uh okay, let's do it. And then the rest is just fake it till you make it. Yeah. I mean, I had no idea. I mean, I wasn't even a SAG actor. Like, right. I didn't know anything about SAG-AFTRA. Right. I didn't know, um, you know, what sticks down means, what 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 even a DP was. Like, there's, <laughs> <laughs> like, but it was so much of being, like, inquiring and taking coffees and yeah. <laughs> being like, okay. Uh, they're like, so do you have X, Y, you know, we, I'm, like, looking for the tungsten lights, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, mm-hmm. And then I would just truly like scour the internet or flip through, um, it's called uh, Producer to Producer, um, this Bible of a book that's like, you know, 10 days out, nine days out. It's like a full, like how the ultimate guide to producing ultra low budget films. And um, so it was a lot of just... Flipping through that. (laughs) Yes. And, and, you know, if you don't know something, there's no excuse to not know it now because we have the internet, we have a computer in our hands at all times. Right. So, um, it was really cool to learn so much and, I mean, gosh, getting insurance for a sag after yes. film, um, you know, gosh, hiring a scripty, assembling, because the biggest part of MT Shorts, too, for us is creating the community around it. Yeah. Because we want to just work with our friends and people who want an opportunity and want to be there and want to flex their creative muscles. Yeah. So, you know, we had uh, someone who's never run, you know, the script before. Like, we had them as on scripty, like, sure. to script supervision. We had someone who is used to production design, you know, who, who's done, like, home you know, home setups as our art director, like people who are just getting an opportunity to dabble in different fields too, who are maybe from the musical theater world that are interested in working in a film component. Right. Um, But, you know, our 
definitely of the of the musical theater like uh, community and right. um, just getting an opportunity to, to try something new. So I love that because I think a lot about how there's so many people that we meet in this industry who we think, you know, like you and I, we've never worked together on anything, mm -hmm. but you know, I've definitely thought to myself before, like, oh, it'd be so cool to work with Sarah on something or people you meet in an audition mm -hmm. or maybe that you have worked with, but you want to work with again. And it often feels like we don't have the power to follow through on that and make that happen. And it's so cool that you've created this opportunity for yourself to kind of pluck those people out of your life and put them into this project. Mm -hmm. I think that's really awesome. Thanks. And that it's like a, a community group learning activity where you can all acknowledge that you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> that you all feel like imposters. And... That kind of, I think, takes away a level of fear if we're all on the same page and we're all acknowledging it, mm -hmm. then I don't have to hide. I don't have to pretend that I know what I'm doing. I can just, it's okay if I'm pulling out my phone to Google something and be like, what does she mean when she mm -hmm. says that? Or mm -hmm. they can just ask you what yeah. you mean, Yeah. Uh, which is a really cool unique experience I think yeah it's cool we um I see all these actors in the city I, I talk about this a lot where like they're like oh I don't do musical theater I just do tv film uh -huh. and I'm like why why not we're all we're all storytellers right you know that's the reason we came to New York is to give get an opportunity to share stories absolutely and um so we you know we'll bring in people from the tv film world mm -hmm. and the musical theater world and they'll connect they'll collaborate yeah. then they work on other things together it's really cool are actually um, Eric Holmes uh, our writer works on The Good Fight and cool. he hired our line producer Lauren to then come to be on The Good Fight so she's actually wow. taken his position as he's been bumped up so that's amazing yeah so it's all like and you know they met through MT Shorts and that's, that's so beautiful that's the coolest part about yeah. what we're doing is the, creating the community of people and constantly adding so like right. you need to come hang out with us like you're gonna come it's just a matter of time and then and giving right. and finding the right project you know so yeah. um yeah it's fun and the cool thing about in shorts too is that we when we every time we release a film uh-huh we ha we have this thing called Empty Shorts Live, where yes. we share more of the song book of the composers. That's amazing. And so you can see what they've written for stage, what they're working on for stage, and then what they've written for film, because we premiere the film at the very end of the night. Wow. So it's That's and so cool. It's like a rap party too, like a yeah. celebration of all this hard work that we have slaved away for like months on in pre-production yeah. and then on set and then we kind of all just disperse so this is like a way to come back together yeah. and um, and then for all of the people who have donated or have been part of our community financially to see the fruits right. of their labor and to interact directly with the artists themselves yes so because that's the cool thing about theater too is that I feel like we get more of a chance to interact directly with the people who True. are making the art but in, in TV film I think sometimes the screen gives us no interaction whatsoever yeah. so it's a way of another bringing in our tv film communities to make them uh, yeah. you know put them all together in one room and see what creation <laughs> they can they can come up with so. yes. <laughs> and i totally understand the problem that you're trying to solve and that you were able to identify but what made you decide a that you wanted to be the person to solve it and b that film something that you didn't do would be the medium through which you solved it this is greg camp <laughs> this is greg camp being like i am he is such a change maker yeah. he is such an incredible problem solver and i take so many pages from his book i've 
I've never worked with someone who is more versed in so many different areas of theatrical creation and production. Yeah. And we... It's a very funny story. We really don't know how we met, but we, at one point, were at the MoMA, or at the Whitney, and we were both like, oh, our friends are writing cool things. How do we do something for them? And we kind of mulled over it, and then we took a class at Limelight Fitness, (laughs) a melt method class, and then we had coffee afterwards in that cafe, and he was like, all right, I want to do a film because it's a medium that I don't know anything about. Wow. And it's really interesting to me. Yeah. And I was like, okay, you're the boss. Let's do it. (laughs) And then every day has been, you know, a learning, a massive learning curve for me, but, and for both of us. And we have just taken every day and looked at it in the face and been like, all right, we're gonna tackle this. His um, philosophy is um, gratidum ferocitur, which is like uh, slow, strong steps, kind of like, um, it's the, I think the motto that he used when he climbed Mount Kilimanjaro. <laughs> Whatever, sure. I know, he's amazing. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, so, and that has been a huge, cause I want everything to happen now. I'm like, yes. let's do it all and get it all done one day. Right. But he's like, no, we, we, there's a necessary process to this. And the coolest thing too about MT shirts, I know I'm like saying, this is all cool. It's all the coolest. <laughs> um, but we don't really know where this platform is going to lead. Um, there's a lot of rivers it could go down. Sure. But that's the exciting part. Exactly. And I, it gives, which gives me like crippling anxiety. But for, <laughs> for Greg, it's really exciting. Like he yeah. loves watching it kind of blossom into whatever it can be. So absolutely, we have a lot of rivers and paths that it could go into. It's just trying to follow which ones are going to A, be a someday lucrative sure. um, and be um, give us creative fulfillment. Yeah. So now that you're bringing up money, one of my questions was, how did you go about fundraising for all of these things? Ooh, girl! <laughs> F- crowdfunding is a full-time job. Yeah. It is a lot, but and, and it's so funny because it's such a virtual thing, yeah. the, but it's a nice to have it all in one place so I can send, you know, someone who I meet all the information, but it does not replace spending 10 minutes with someone and just yeah. sharing what you do. Yeah. It really doesn't replace it. There is nothing that can be replaced by this face-to-face human interaction. Yes. Um, we can make videos as the day is long, but, right. you know, it's just, it's not That's the same. True. That being said, it's really cool to see all the people who have shown up for us Mm -hmm. and been incredible supporters who have either shared our platform or who have um, donated like five dollars or ten dollars and and people underestimate how much that means oh my gosh like even five or ten dollars or a share on facebook which Mm -hmm. is free those things are huge they are they really are and gosh whenever i get a chance i'm always sharing friends things because and you are too because who knows that one person there's there could be that one person who's scrolling through their social media who sees this and like oh wow I have a friend who is also getting into this I should connect them or I have a friend who is interested in uh, just got x amount of dollars and is interested in in investing in something that's fostering new composers or x y you never know you never know but it's hard I'm not gonna mince words 
it's very frustrating to and I don't like asking for money I don't no like it's, it's ugly sometimes yeah. and it's been such a lesson in changing my relationship to money yes like it's not necessarily it's an investment in the future it's an investment in these young scrappy producers who are looking to elevate new emerging composers right. so you have to change that your even your verbiage and your framework and your mindset. I know there's like lots of books on it. I yeah. think about how to look at it in a way that's not scary. <laughs> yeah, you are a badass at making money is yes. a great one for mm-hmm. that. But yeah, I think it's. I mean, fundraising is definitely hard. There are people. That's why there are people who like they are an expert in that. Mm-hmm. That is their full time job is raising money for nonprofits. Like, it's a skill. Mm-hmm. And I think it's often, especially for artists, the place where we get discouraged or even sometimes give up Mm -hmm. you know I have this great idea but I don't have the money to make it happen oh well woe is me Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it's a a great excuse (laughs) if you want to hide somewhere money is the best place to hide because who can argue Mm -hmm. but I think something that I take from your experience is that where there's a will there's a way and you managed to raise the money that you needed to get your projects off the ground Mm -hmm. and make these things happen was there some sort of turning point for you where you feel like something clicked and you were able to figure out the best way to go about it? Or is it really just... Oh, gosh. Just you think you know the formula and then something happens and you're like, well, back to the drawing that board. Work. <laughs> you know, yeah. Greg is really good at social media and is and he designed our website. And he, it's beautiful. Oh, I love your he's website. He's a master. He's amazing. And that has been a really actually cool place for us to kind of like I guess throw out all the color and fun and excitement and the fresh energy yeah Yeah. um and deciding our colors oh my gosh even the logo for example there is there was a day Greg and I sat I I remember right on the water at this cafe oh gosh it's it's on one of the piers it has the green umbrellas all those green umbrellas Mm -hmm. you know what I'm talking about and we were making our like logo in the sunlight and watching the shadows it, like with our hands and taking photos of it. And we were like, it's gonna be shorts. All right, no, no, no. We, and we're like, we'll sell empty shorts, like shorts. <laughs> and I was like, no, that's kind of tacky. And then we were like, all right, let's, what about if it's like a spotlight and someone's like singing, but the spotlight's actually a film lens or like, you know, and we were just, and then we were just cycling through. We had a whole like dream deck of like inspiration photos and things we were looking at. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, I was like, I want it to be hands. I want it to be something with like, because it's about community and creation. And like you can mold things with your hands. And I was like, and then we kind of started playing around in the sunlight. And then we were like, what about frame hands? And then they go into jazz, like a kind of thing. And then we we took photos of it and sent it to his brother, who is a graphic designer and had a couple samples come through and then, that's how we created our logo. It's they're, but they're all little steps. I mean, that took like you know six hours and, and a few, yeah. you know, weeks of ruminating and dreaming and stuff. And so, this business did not start overnight, no. you know. But you get up every day, mm-hmm. and you just do it. You just do the things. Yeah. <laughs> but then the question that comes to mind for me is, how do you manage to balance that with your also like very full? blossoming acting career. There's so much going on for you in that. Oh, God. It's been crazy. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people listening to this who know anything about you as an actor would be like, well, why does she even need that? She's got this 
acting career. She works all the time. She's got so much going on for her. Like, why does she even need something else? Well, I just think, I think as creatives, we're never, we're never satiated. Yeah. And while performing on stage gives me complete fulfillment, almost like I, it, there's nothing better. Mm -hmm. What happens when you open the show? Yeah. What are you doing? You you are socializing with your cast, Mm -hmm. but I just, I had this, still this need to create and make more and, and sometimes, you know, not every theater experience is created equal. That's absolutely Um, true. So sometimes it's not as stellar as the last, whether it be, you know, a certain living situation or, you know, X, Y, or Z. Anything. Yeah. So there is this this thing in my life now that it's like a baby it's like i have something to always come back to yeah. because the can the work for theater will be in and out that will come and go right um but empty shorts will always be yes so that's kind of like my constant yeah <laughs> and it's something within your control yes and i can choose how much i interact with it or not right obviously greg and i are both like stupidly hard workers so we will like we will constantly be working on right. it. Yeah. I have that trouble. I actually, I struggle with that about creating like office hours for myself. Yes. And I certainly miss out on, I mean, when I was up doing South Pacific at Finger Lakes, mm-hmm. everyone's like, oh yeah, we're doing all this. Like they had this whole, the whole cast went out and had fun and, you know, did X, Y, and Z. And I was like, I'm sorry, I've got my producing a $20,000 short film. Like I, I have to be in my, you know, glued to my computer screen doing the things, doing the work. But it's all, I think, those moments, I get FOMO for a second, but then they pass because I know what I'm working towards and what I'm creating is beyond myself, is beyond my personal indulgences for that day. Yeah. And that gives me great comfort and satisfaction and hope and excitement. Yeah. And that's why I get up in the morning. Right, and I'm sure there are other times, you know, where you you are able to make it work, yeah. you are able to go to like the cast outing or whatever it is, mm-hmm. the thing that really matters to you in that moment, because as you've said a few times now, community is so important to you. Mm-hmm. And I do think, you know, I, I ask this question a lot on this show, how do you find the balance between the other thing that you're doing and your performing career? And there's no one answer, certainly. Mm-hmm. And I would also say most people probably don't have it all figured out. Certainly not. In that way. Oh my goodness. But I do think that it's, you know, when we talk about balance, I think there are kind of two ways to picture it. If you picture like the judge scales Mm -hmm. I'm talking about, you can picture balance as them being perfectly level and perfectly still Mm -hmm. and that they're perfect and equal balance. Or you can picture them as kind of oscillating where one is higher than the other and then it goes back the other way and it just completely, it continuously balances back and forth. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm doing a lot of really helpful hand gestures. Yes, to they're very that lovely. You not see, but <laughs> I hope that you are understanding what it is I'm trying to say, that it is a constant flow and evolution of balance mm-hmm. rather than striking this perfect you know, balance and holding it forever. Mm. Oh, and perfection is so bleh anyway. And non-existent. Exactly. And why not be in motion? Yes. Why not constantly be in motion? I am a tornado and I am a proud tornado. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. A very proud tornado. I am a proud tornado. I'm a Tasmanian <laughs> devil. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, th- I mean, that's really true that it's sometimes there are sacrifices involved and sometimes 
there's no sacrifice at all. You know, mm-hmm. the outcome is so completely worth it in the end. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it is amazing. And people are like, so did you sleep ever? And I'm like, <laughs> um... Sometimes. <laughs> I've, been, I've been known to dabble. I know, yes, I dabble in the sleep. I know it's very good for me, and I know I need to be, more, be doing more of it. And it's just finding, it is, it's, it's, I don't even want to say it's finding the balance. It's just finding what's right for you. And everyone functions at a different tempo, at a different yep. frequency. Mm-hmm. And whether you choose to mimic that someone else's or find your own, there's no right or wrong way. No. And what you said before about, you know, empty shorts being your baby, when uh, parents first give birth to a child, they're not sleeping. Mm -hmm. Like, they're up with that baby all night. Mm -hmm. They're getting three to four hours of sleep Mm -hmm. a night. And then eventually the baby grows enough and gets old enough that they can sleep a little bit more. And Mm -hmm. I feel like that's kind of what you're going through right now with empty shorts. We certainly are. Yeah, we're going through definite growing they're not pains it's like gross spurts so because we our first film we shot for two it was a two-day shoot we did it for six grand I don't know how we did that it was me going to like every location in Brooklyn and being like hi you don't know me from Adam but um I want to promote your business by shooting in your location (laughs) so can you give us this for like you know x amount of dollars or we are happy to promote your food we'll eat your food you know um and and a lot of no just a lot of no but so that and then this next one has three original songs that we are going into Yellow Sound Lab to record. Wow. Um, you know, we have six principal cast members and a whole bunch of extras. We have a four day shoot. We're doing a rooftop wedding scene. We're shooting yes. at a bar for two days. We're having an apartment scene. It's going to wow. be like it's a 20 minute short film. Yeah. So we went from like a five, six minute short film to 20 minutes. And that's a huge that's a huge difference. A huge, it's like, you know, but, um, so that, that's a whole other beast for us, but it's, why not? Right. Why not? Why not try the smaller end of the spectrum and then go really, really big and then maybe we'll find somewhere in the middle that's like a nice, happy medium. Completely. And we're also partnering. My father was an educator. My parents are both band directors, so I grew up with oh, wow. music education in my life. My brother is getting his MFA in oboe performance. Wow. <laughs> we're a bunch of music nerds. Very musical. Yeah, super musical. But they were such... Um, education is just something that I grew up with and it's so important to me and so we um, Greg kind of spearheaded this but there's this summer intensive called the Atlanta Workshop Players and we partnered with them and commissioned Jonathan Larson award winner um, Andy Roninson to write a musical for this film intensive and Greg is a monster and I (laughs) he's incredible he directed the film. They shot it with the head of the film, uh, the head of like the program, who is also a director of photography. Wow. <laughs> they shot it in a week. They recorded the kids. They, um, you know, it's called Jump. We're going to be premiering that. We haven't set the date yet. Um, wow. Well, if it's out by the time this comes out, I'll link it in the show notes. Yes, please, sure. please. Lily here, interrupting with some good news. MT Shorts is releasing Jump this Friday, February 29th. Mark your calendar and go check it out. So we want to partner with organizations and and intensives. My dream is to be able to go into musical theater programs and work, because I know a lot of 
I mean, I know Penn State does this and where I went to school, my alma mater, where they bring in writers to write a musical for the junior class a lot of times. And then they're able to, um, they oftentimes take it to like a 54 Below show or, and so it's then gets some traction in New York. It provides exposure for these kids in the New York scene. But I would love an opportunity to get these kids on camera so that when, by the time they showcase, they have not only the visual representation of their work on stage, but you can see them what they look like on camera. So these agents and these managers, when they come to showcase, they'll get a little thing, they'll link them to their little featured moment in that empty short. That's really cool. So that is something that Greg and I have talked about extensively in partnering with a university to bring in a writer, write an empty short, then work with the TV film departments of these incredible institutions. Right. These kids don't even interact ever. No. Why is that? It's crazy. We're all storytellers, right? right? So that is one of my dreams for MT Shorts as well. It was cool with the Atlanta Workshop Players because these kids had never really done... They, they, they were doing some TV film, uh-huh. um, but they were also like of the musical theater world too. So yeah. for then these kids to cross-pollinate their, their abilities, were, it was just so neat. And I wish I was more a part of it, but Greg was... Greg kind of spearheaded that. I let him kind of fly, and I oversaw from afar. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, I just got uh, knee surgery, so. Oh, right. Yeah. Poor thing. <laughs> it's been a crazy year. That's really incredible because now, days especially, I think, theater actors are really making their way into film and TV. Mm-hmm. It's not two different worlds now. Well, and, and there's so much TV film shooting in New York. In New York, right. And mm-hmm. I'm sure that's part of, you know, why that change has come about mm-hmm. where it used to be very segregated of you're either a film and TV actor or you're it's a stage actor. Mm-hmm. And I really love that what you're doing is really spot on with that. And you're trying to educate the next generation of actors to be more versatile in that. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Thanks. I mean, how many times do we have to make self tapes? Right. Exactly. All the time. But there is no information for us. No. How to even use iMovie. That's like, the thing is like, even if you don't want to be a film actor, having knowledge of filming yourself and mm-hmm. what you look like on film is going to help you in theater. This job that I'm doing right now, mm-hmm. I booked off of a self-tape. Wow. I was in Paris. I put the sides on tape in Paris with my mother in a flat in an Airbnb. <laughs> she played Arthur and Lancelot. Was she amazing? Oh my gosh. <laughs> this is blackmail material, guys. It, it, I, hope, I hope I get to leak the footage someday. But one of the reasons I booked the gig even was because I edited a little clip in there where I like surprised my mom and I was like, Mom, who are you playing today? And she was like, I'm playing Lancelot and Arthur, oh you know? My gosh, so they got to so know cute. me as a person yes. too and not just like, Hi, I'm Sarah Ellis and I'm represented by XXX and right. thank you for watching. Exactly. Because you want to get to know the humanity of an actor, especially if you're bringing them into a smaller theater where you're like, you need to be able to play nice with all the other kids. Yes. Um, So it's important. But I think that was one of the reasons that I, granted, my work speaks, does the work hopefully for me. But I think it's important to showcase who you are as a person as well. But also cast directors don't have time to like be flipping through X, Y, and Z. What do you say in the comments of your YouTube video? You know what I mean? I wish there was a formula. Yeah. I wish there was something, but maybe then then I think about it and I'm like, wait, (laughs) if we have a formula, then it won't be unique and interesting. And I think everyone is currently following a formula of like, 
just say your name, who you're represented by, and then get the material out there, and then that's it. Mm -hmm. Don't take up an extra second of their Mm -hmm. time for anything else, Mm -hmm. even if that extra second would be really valuable. Mm -hmm. And so I love that you thought outside of the box on that. Oh, yeah. But that's, like, the fun of... It's, like... That's why I enjoy Instagram for the most part sure. because you can make little stories. Yes. And they're like little mini movie moments of your life. Yeah. That are silly. I mean, I think I'm funny. I'm I'm sure I bet I'm not, but like I my comedy lives there. But you feel funny on Instagram. I feel so funny. That's I'm a muppet. I want to address something that we were talking about before we started recording, which is what it's been like for you being a female working in a producer capacity Mm. working on this project and what your experience has been like especially having a male collaborator yes yes and this is something that my friend jessica ryan um who was the founder of broadway unlocked and i talk extensively about um the i mean for example i send some i will purposely put greg's email or signed you know sarah and greg Mm -hmm. on emails not only because we are partners, but sure. because I want, unfortunately, legitimacy. Yeah. And it's still an epidemic that's running rampant that we need to squash like the <laughs> nasty bug that it is. Um, You're absolutely right. Because we are still living in a world where it's very, they, specifically the business world is yeah. still very, very much dominated by men. It is. And if I want legitimacy, quote unquote, mm-hmm. if I'm reaching out to a big business who I want to partner with or have a spot, you know, I'm interested in sponsoring, working with them as first sponsorship, I have to sign Greg's name. Yeah. On the flip side of that, I unfortunately think that sometimes if I go into an establishment Mm -hmm. and I'm asking for something there is like almost like an intimidation factor if I'm I'm very strong and like very like I know what I want and I find sometimes men being put off by that yeah which is interesting too it's just finding the dynamic and I hope I just hope that our world becomes better and that's like normal it's normal to just be human regardless of gender. <laughs> right. I mean, that's so <sighs> upsetting and sort of discouraging to hear. And you said the business world especially, but I would argue film and theater are just as male-dominated. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's really unfair and it's really unfortunate. And there has, there have been, there's been a lot of research and a lot of studies about, you know, women using male signatures on emails and getting different responses mm-hmm. than they did using their own signature. And... You know, it it makes me think, there's no answer to this question, by the way, but it makes Mm -hmm. me think what we can do to combat that and Mm -hmm. how we can, you know, be in in our strength and in our feminine presence when we're asking for something and not apologize and still get the outcome that we desire. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, when I was asking, I remember specifically, I went and asked at a location at a business, I was like, would, would you be interested in, in partnering with empty shorts? And he's like, look, you're a really pretty girl, but, and I was like, okay. And I just had to, I had to take a deep breath. (laughs) I counted, count to five. And I said, I specifically remember saying, I would appreciate if, if this business transaction did not involve the way I look. Right. And, and I think that, I mean, obviously that took him back, uh, very much aback. Wow. But 
I hope that what I said meant something. I mean, we never interacted again, obviously. I, that, that definitely, like, okay. A door was closed. Yeah, that's, okay, you're out, bye. Um, um, and I don't want to work with someone who, right. who has that mentality anyway, but maybe it's changed. Right. Maybe it's, maybe I, I would hope that maybe something struck a chord. And I think that's just talking about it, just continuing to yeah. talk about it. Calling it out when you see it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that seems to be the way that, that you've been dealing with it. And mm-hmm. yeah, I agree with you. I hope that it's making a change and that it's making strides. And, you know, being aware of it, I think is part of the process mm-hmm. is that you and Greg both have to acknowledge that it's a problem and that it's the reality at the moment. And that it's something that you have to succeed in spite of. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I, I applaud you for calling it out when you are met with those sexist attitudes. Oh, I immediately do. <laughs> but I have no problem with it. But I do think like, you know, we have Facebook where there are tons of people where you can just call out into the ether and share your story, which should be shared. Yeah. But that man is not on my Facebook. Right. That man is not in my circle. Right. And he doesn't get that kind of exposure on the daily like we do. We're right. surrounded by artists who are super accepting and open for the yes. most part. So, again, when we talked about, like, you can you can share about your crowdfunding campaign on, on social media, but face-to-face interacting is the way to get things going. Yeah. So me speaking directly to someone and saying, this isn't okay, I don't feel comfortable with this, right. is the way to get it, no Absolutely. matter what. Even an email doesn't do, do the job. Yeah. It doesn't. It's that human connection, that human level intentionality. And you know, maybe you can get it via email or Facebook if you happen to have the perfectly right message that resonates with someone, but you're much more likely to get it face-to-face just relating as human beings, mm-hmm. especially now when it's so rare. Oh, my gosh. But isn't that so beautiful, too? Yeah. That we are we are given the gift of speech for a reason, so we need to use it. Yes. Oh, gosh. And that was a huge thing for Hey Beautiful, too. Right. Like, the whole story of it is right. about calling out catcalling, and it was based off of that video 10 hours of uh, walking in New York City as a woman. Yes, and she had, like, the body cam on. Mm-hmm. She was wearing a T-shirt and pants and had a body cam on, and it was just, you know. Yeah. And I, I try to be gracious. I'm not always. Um, when I get harassed, I'm not always gracious sometimes. Why you have to be? Sometimes my harassed. finger does the work for me. <laughs> but um, I do try to empathize. Well, I also love that... It's sort of meta, but it's like you creating the pieces that you create can also help you fight this battle. Mm-hmm. So Hey Beautiful is getting that message out there that it's not okay to do these things. And therefore, you are perpetuating your ideals of being treated as equal. Mm-hmm. And so if you can get the money, <laughs> even if it's from the icky people who are with you, <laughs> you can use that money to change some minds mm-hmm. and that's really cool mm-hmm. i love that i also don't mean to say that like this doesn't happen all the time i'm no, just citing course. examples of course but the fact that it happens at all is unacceptable and you know i would argue it probably doesn't happen to greg yeah there's that it's true it's but true. there's something else i really want to address that i think you're you seem to be just inherently good at so i would love for you to clarify if that's true oh dear <laughs> At Reaching Out. there. Have you ever read Molly Beck's book, Reaching Out? Mm-mm. It's a great book. I'll link it in the show notes. And it's all about 
this concept that if people in your innermost circle were able to help you, they would have already, slash they will if they ever can. Mm -hmm. So therefore, when you are seeking growth and help, you need to reach beyond that circle to a slightly more outer circle and an even further out circle than that. And so Molly Beck reaches out every single day to someone. She maps out different types of reach outs, uh, the different you know ways to follow up on them. She breaks it all down. It's amazing. It's unreal. She's incredible. Wow. Um, yeah. I want to read this book so badly. You should definitely read this, this book. But it my... also sounds like you possibly like could have written this book. Oh, you goodness seem, gracious! You seem to be really great at reaching out to people, and you know one of the biggest battles of reaching out is fear. Mm-hmm. And just, I don't want to bother anyone, or no. I don't want anyone to think that I'm selfish or rude or, you know, asking too much. Mm-hmm. Do you feel any of that, or are you just naturally, like, such a connector of humans that, that doesn't worry you? Oh, wow. Well, the first advice I got when I was, like, struggling with, like, how to make big money asks was the worst they're going to say is no. Right. They're just going to say no. Or they're not going to respond. And then you follow up. Mm-hmm. And they could still not respond. And that's okay. Yeah. And when you see them again, it's not awkward because who cares? <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't a match. It wasn't a fit. Greg and I are really conscious of what we ask from our community and we do ask a lot. And we sure. always caveat that. When we when we make asks, we're like we know that we are tapping many times into this group of people mm-hmm. and we appreciate it. And I think the biggest thing you can do is just express your gratitude all the time. Yes. Isn't it like the person needs to be thanked like seven times before they actually feel thanked? I remember hearing that somewhere. That's like the yeah. golden rule or, you know, some psychology book somewhere. Perhaps it's different now. But yeah. but I'm always thanking people and following up and, and making sure that, that they are they are feeling the gratitude that, that I feel for them. Yeah. That being said, I'm a shameless human. Like, I as a child... <laughs> I, my mom always tells this story. I would run around um, restaurants because I just, I'm, gosh, I'm the same person. I would still run around restaurants. Um, <laughs> she's, I would run around restaurants and just talk to everyone. I just wanted yeah. to meet everyone. And my mom's like, Sarah, you can't just be running around the restaurant like this. And I just looked at her and I said, well, can I walk around? <laughs> so I was still like, I've always been a connector. I've always been, and that's my parents too. My dad is was super social, and my mom is very social. They're both just insanely like we're the type of people that we can't. We're the last ones to leave church, you yeah. know. We we say goodbye like twelve times. Yeah. Such a Midwestern thing. Like you say goodbye, like well, you got to get going. So hey, how's your? <laughs> you know, you say like goodbye twenty times before right. you can actually leave the premises. Yes. So I love connection and. I don't think, and gosh, social media is about being social. Yeah. That is truly what it is about. And I learned that from my friend Kay Brown and my friend Stephanie Cowan. And I'll have a a bunch of friends who are like, and Alyssa, like Instagram influencers who are good at blind reaching out because it's a connection tool. Yeah. And actually I had a girl, her name is Sarah Manzo. And she's an extraordinary girl. She reached out a couple times on Instagram, was like, I want to be involved with what you're doing. I love it. Wow. And I was like, yeah, of course. Right. Yeah, she, so she came to uh, our Shots for Shorts fundraiser, um, which was super fun. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, goodness. Uh, every $100 we raised, Greg and I took a shot. And oh my God. every $50 was a cupcake in the face. <laughs> it was very silly. 
<laughs> a very fun time, a very creative way of writing, raising money um, and just having a great time. Um, but and then she, you know, is now going to be a PA on set with us. And wow. she's, you know, she's continued to show up because she just blind reached out. Yeah. And I told her yesterday, I was like, thank you so much for just for just wanting to connect. Yes. Same with this girl. Um, her name is Clarice Fern. And she runs this amazing uh, little company called Broadway Night NYC. And we are looking to partner with her to release a film. Wow. Because she reached out on Instagram, was like, I love what you guys are doing. Actually, no, I think she reached out via my, via my website. But, like, why not? Yeah. Why not? Can, like, the worst they're going to say is no. Right. And I say this, I've said this a million times, we're all storytellers and we all want to create. Right. So if there's an opportunity for it, reach out. Right. And it sounds, I love what you said um, about the first young woman that reached out to you that you said to her, you know, thank you so much for reaching out. You know, now that you guys are collaborating together, mm-hmm. you you feel that gratitude towards her, and I I think that's something that's really important. If you feel that fear about reaching out, is really getting clear for yourself why this is a generous act. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in your case, fundraising, why is it generous of me to give these people the opportunity to give money to this? Well, maybe they believe in the message that I'm trying to put forth. And I can use my platform that I now have to put forth this message on their behalf so that they don't have to, so mm-hmm. that they don't have to create an empty short of their own mm-hmm. to get this message across. I'll do it for them. I just need a little bit of money. Mm-hmm. And getting really clear on that, I think, takes away that layer of sort of ickiness that mm-hmm. you can feel, whether you're asking for money or a job opportunity or you know whatever it may be, but being really clear and intentional with what it is that you want again molly beck's book really breaks down different types of reach outs yeah that's important you know yeah sometimes it's you know i could just reach out to you and say hey i think what you're doing with empty shorts is amazing i just wanted you to know thanks Mm -hmm. and in theory you never have to reply to that because there was no ask Mm -hmm. or i could reach out and i could say i love what you're doing with empty shorts i think it's really incredible and i would love to be a part of it please let me know if there's any way that i can contribute here are some ways that I think I might be able to. Mm-hmm. That is a generous reach out because mm-hmm. you are offering your unique services to that person. Mm-hmm. So all these different types of ways of reaching out, being really clear and intentional with what it is that you're doing and always seeking to serve and be generous. Mm-hmm. Yes, oh, you're so right. Greg is really good at that too. We're, um, there are people that we know exist uh-huh. or like networks or things that we are interested in pursuing. Yeah. But we haven't made those asks yet because it's not time. Yes. So it's knowing when the time is right to reach out as well. That's very important. And granted, like, there is no, I mean, I say this when the time is right. But when when you feel like, okay, I'm in a place where if something were to happen with this ask, mm-hmm. I would be able to deliver and follow through with it. Yes, exactly. Yeah. When the time is right for you and for the person that you're reaching out to. Mm-hmm. If you're reaching out to a director who you know is in the middle of rehearsals for a Broadway show... Maybe not right now. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but exactly. also, if you're not quite prepared yet to offer that director an opportunity, maybe not right now. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I've certainly had calls with people that I think would have been really, it would have gone better had they been in a better place or had I been in a better place. Yeah. And I feel like, oh, maybe I lost that opportunity. Sure. Um, which is just you learn and maybe someday I'll circle back around and it'll, and it's okay. Yeah, and I feel like that is the perfect segue into me asking you for, 
I told myself in season two I was going to ask people for their favorite failure, and I've been doing a terrible. <laughs> That's been my I failure of season two. <laughs> but um, yeah, if if you'd be willing to share a favorite failure with us and a recent success. Ooh, okay. Well, a favorite failure is such an interesting way of putting it because mm-hmm. I have struggled. And I'm going to get really personal here. Um, I have struggled with um, the loss of my father. Yeah, of course. And what that feels like and looks like. And I am such a joyful human. Like, Mm -hmm. I just, I love happiness and I love connection and I love creation. And I just, I find gratitude in the smallest of things. I'm truly like a puppy dog. I'm like, play with me, play with me all the time. (laughs) But to wake up feeling like depressed and like absolute despair like I've never felt despair yeah before and um navigating that emotion and it's almost like the first couple months I was living in a cloud like I couldn't type emails I couldn't bring myself to like do simple tasks I couldn't it was really tough um so it's not necessarily my favorite failure, but it's a failure that has defined who I am yeah. as a person and as an artist and as a theater maker. And I was actually, and this could be also considered failure, I was attacking empty shorts with a manicness. Mm. Like I was coming at it like, okay, how am I gonna make my mark on the world? Because I could die tomorrow. Yeah. You know, and it's it it it, it was like driving Greg insane. He was so patient with me, um, but I was like, well, well, we have to do this now. We have to do this everything right. immediately. Ah! And I was crazy because I also was using it as an escape. Yes. Of dealing with my grief. Of course. And it's still. I mean, you don't ever. It doesn't leave you. Right. It just remains as part of you. It's like. It's like this blanket over my heart forever, Mm -hmm. you know. But from that, still here has like become a mission because the whole premise is this man loses his wife to cancer and it's the two year anniversary of her death and his friends are taking him on a night out um, to not necessarily celebrate Sam's life, but um, to to remind him that he is still here among the living and that it, he can he can live with grief and still move move forward. Yeah. And in addition to that, like what it's like to navigate intimacy again when it often begins behind a screen. <laughs> so yeah. that's another a thing that we wanted to tackle. Wow. Yeah. Um, to talk about um, like what, how do you date in a city that is right. so impersonal now? It feels like sometimes. Um, right. So that I think from this failure, I have learned who I am more than anything, and that is a celebrator of community mm-hmm. and someone who really deeply understands now that like your resume doesn't matter no nothing matters this audition no. doesn't matter no what matters is the connection that you create with people and how you've imprinted on them Absolutely. that is what matters yeah. and I will add the art that you are able to leave the world with yeah you know, whether it be an empty short, whether it be being able to sing for someone and it moves them in a way that they can't express. Mm-hmm. Those are all things that, that matter. 
Yeah. And so, yeah, that's that's failure to success. They, they kind of, what you're saying, it's almost like those are two things on the balance scale. Yeah, absolutely. Um, because they inform each other so much. They do. It's where you go from that failure. Mm-hmm. And, and I love that these, yeah, these two for you are so hand in hand of like, your failure is when you used your work to mask you know, this grief that you were feeling mm-hmm. and your success is when you allowed yourself to take off that mask and use your work to showcase and amplify and share your, your grief and your feelings. And, you know, grief has been something on my mind a lot recently and how we talk about grief and how we, or really, I should say how we don't talk about yes, grief yes. and how if we do, it looks like one thing. It's, you know, the, the widow crying the single tear, mm-hmm. you know, in the moment, but there's so much life beyond that. And there, it's such a process. And I think it's really important to talk about and showcase. Mm-hmm. I do think about like what would this look like if it were a movie, you know, yeah. like, and I, I, I mean, gosh, I have been composing emails and just start convulsively sobbing yeah, just for like a split second and then I'm out of it and then I'm continuing to type. Yeah. It's like, I'm, I'm crazy, and I, but that's normal. Yeah. That is completely normal. It is. And I think we've just, we've re- romanticized grief because we don't want to talk about the ickiness of it. Totally. totally. And it's icky. But that's okay. Yeah. And I don't, and I I hate that we say that it's icky because it, because it doesn't feel good, you know? Right. Um, it's uncomfortable. Yes, yes. But it can also be funny. Oh Grief my. It can be one of the, I mean, the picture that you just described of sitting, do do do, typing an email and then convulsively sobbing for two seconds and then going back to it, like that could be hilarious. Oh, yeah. And it's because it's real and it's raw and anyone who has ever been through an experience like yours at all will know exactly what it is and i love i love in theaters too um when people get uncomfortable they laugh yeah and we laugh as as a defense mechanism almost which is just the most human and delicious it is it's so delicious and it doesn't throw me off at all because i'm like oh they're listening yeah you know oh my god you're so right Mm -hmm. you're so right thank you so much for sharing that sarah that was really generous of you to share and oh gosh thanks thank you so much for doing this it was such a joy to talk to you and i'm just so amazed by everything that you're doing oh thank you i'm amazed by what you're doing thank you creating community and starting conversation yes that's definitely the goal that's amazing Thank thank you for having me could sarah be any more generous she shared so beautifully and generously with us in today's episode I knew Sarah before we recorded this, but after recording with her, my respect for her has grown to an even higher level. She is working so hard and creating some serious change, all while navigating a busy and fruitful acting career. She's truly incredible, and I hope you found today's episode as inspiring as I did. As always, I hope you'll reach out with any thoughts or questions that you have, and that if you haven't already, you'll rate and review TDQ on iTunes to help other creative geniuses find this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Lily Torre, and this has been The Dreaded Question.